This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Ronald takes the snap, looks left under pressure. Bullets one over the middle, and he's got Crowder. Up the 10, cuts it back, at the 5, goal line! Sam Darnold did it again! Jones, that's a takeaway! Bradley McDougal. And welcome back to another episode of the Cooler Jets podcast. We're your host Ben Blessington and Michael Nania. Another uh, disappointing Jets loss, another blowout loss, this time to the Indianapolis Colts. Michael, how are you feeling, man? How am I feeling? I don't really know how you can – I mean, look, I wasn't even expecting them to compete in this game at all. I don't even know if I wanted them to win because – you know, we're all on this train to fire Adam Gase right now. Um, and with one more game, it seems like it could happen based on the reports out there. So I didn't even expect them to win. Uh, but, you know, football has this way of being unpredictable. But with this team, it's just incredible how predictably bad they are. You don't, you know, you think eventually they have to compete in the game, do something good on one side of the ball at least. But for the third straight game, both sides of the ball just – completely dismantled and the whole entire vibe of the team that you're seeing on the field just is completely lifeless. So it, it's um, the Jets have been remarkably bad so far, to say the least. And it has been extremely boring to watch, but at least this week they're in the four o'clock window. So we could watch most of the one o'clock games when the real football teams play. And then we get to watch Adam Gase do his thing and all these, uh, everyone else who's struggling on this team. So uh, it, it was, I think the best word to describe watching this team right now is just boring because it's not even unexpected. You're just watching them get dismantled in a very unexciting way. So uh, hopefully we only have to watch one more game of this guy. It, it would be great if he could get fired immediately after this game. But realistically, it seems like you lose to Denver. You have the extra time after that to adjust from firing him. And, and then you could have 12 games of maybe playing competent football. But right now it's just completely as unwatchable as it has ever been. Yeah. I mean, in our preview podcast on Friday, we talked about how this upcoming Friday, by the time you're listening to it right after the Broncos game would be the first time in the season that the jets could theoretically move on from Adam Gase. I think me and you both kind of said at the time that we think that's unlikely that Gase will probably try to use the injury excuse, which is, I mean, I don't want to say valid, but at least there is an argument to that, that the Jets are 
incredibly banged up. He's missing his top four receivers. He was missing his two tackles today. Once Makai Becton left the game, he's missing a star running back. Okay. So we figured oh, he'll, he might survive. Um, and then after this murderer's row of games that the Jets are going to play after week four, including Arizona, which is an amazing team this year, having to travel out West to LA, the Patriots in prime time at home, Buffalo again, he's going to have to play Kansas city. He's going to play his former team week 11. We thought that was the time where, okay, I think that might be the time where it will actually happen because I think Joe Douglas probably knows that, that he has to, to have some games to evaluate Sam Darnold away from Adam Gase, especially if things keep going like they're going. Um, but after today, or by the time you're listening to this yesterday, uh, I would say I would be pretty surprised if it doesn't happen on Friday. Uh, you know, look, the Jets could come out and, and I'm, now they're going to go ahead and win this game for Adam Gase, I guess, and, and he'll stick around a little bit longer. Um, but if the Jets lose in a blowout fashion again, I would say uh, I would expect it to happen Friday. The other thing that, that supports it was the one piece of good news we got yesterday, which was uh, uh, Mort from, from ESPN coming out and saying that the Jets executives and the Jets brass are internally looking at Adam Gase and taking these next two games, or I guess the one that already happened, um, but Indianapolis and Denver – to evaluate Adam Gase's um, position at head coach and that they could make a move. And once that report came out after the game that we just witnessed, uh, and especially if they lose to an injury-plagued Broncos team at home on primetime in front of the entire world, I would be surprised if Adam Gase is not canned on Friday. Um, but, of course, now that we're saying that, the Jets are going are gonna to win this one. But it's really interesting how this evaluation works. So you get to this point where if you lose one more game, to a really bad team, then you're okay with firing him. But if you beat this Jeff Driscoll-led Broncos team, it might not even be Driscoll. He was benched uh, in this Broncos game or left it early. But if you win that game, say you win that game 10-3, to now you're okay. You can play out the rest of the season. I, I believe in you. So it's just weird how these teams evaluate coaches, and it shows how little they know about the game. How I'm not sure they don't pay attention, but they clearly don't know what they're watching because it's just been it, – it's been obvious now for quite some time that Gase is not going to lead the Jets to a Super Bowl. I mean, it made sense. Like we talked about last week, I think. It made sense to bring him back after – you shouldn't have hired him in the first place, but after last season, yeah, you bring him back. But it's, it's obvious already at this point that he's not the guy to lead this team anywhere, uh, even to a winning record. So the fact that his – fate should hinge on meaningless games and and just whether you win or lose because he's here to lead the offense yeah he's the head coach and you know that's it's a weakness in itself that he can't lead the whole team but his main job is to develop Sam Darnold and you know lead a functional offense and every single game we watch they put up the same graphics on CBS oh the Jets offense has really been struggling uh, they're last in this they're last in that and I post plenty of stats about how bad they are um, so he's not doing anything effectively. So to put his fate on the simple win-loss result of one game against a bad injury play team, uh, well, I think the Broncos could have been a good team, but they're obviously really banged up right now. But it's just such a simple way of evaluating, and teams don't read between the lines at all. We all know evaluating Gase so closely, both before they hired him, you know, based on his Miami tenure, what we've seen so far with the Jets, it's 100% certain he's not going to win a Super Bowl with the Jets, which is obviously the ultimate goal when you hire a coach. Uh, but it, 
teams still are has ownership is still hesitant to you know move on and just try something new because you can't get any worse than he's been so far. Right. Um, so it, it's it's just wild that teams are evaluate coaches in this way and can't just be honest with themselves and be like, okay, we messed up. We hired the wrong guy. Let's move on. Let's get him out of here as soon as possible and see if we can see if we can salvage this season. But no, we have to see if he can beat bad teams and then it's okay for him to stay, even though that and making that as important as the entire 19 game body of work plus three seasons in Miami that we've seen so far that are entirely bad, I guess, save for his first season with the Dolphins. But uh, it's, it's curious why ownership has to do it that way, but it's just the way it is. So uh, if they do lose this game to Denver, I would be very surprised if he returned for the next game. Uh, just based on that report, though, like you said, because without that, I guess I would be surprised if they did fire him because of, you know, I mean, Christopher Johnson just called him a brilliant offensive mind less than a week ago. So, but now with these reports, it does seem like if they lose this game, they should move on. And uh, that's not going to fix everything, but it should provide a spark to a team that desperately needs it right now. Because you just look at the body language in these games, whether it's the way they jog off the field, when you see the shots on the sideline, just no communication whatsoever between players, assistant coaches. Darnold is, is struggling and the coaches aren't even talking to him, especially Gase. Barely, you, you never see him talking to anybody on the sideline. He's always just standing there with his arms crossed, looking at his play sheet. It's just not what you hire a head coach to do. He doesn't have to be, you know, running up and down the sideline giving speeches, but at least something, especially for the quarterback you were brought here to coach. Just give him something, help him out a little bit. But, you know, the body language isn't good. So, uh, firing Gase will not fix every issue with this team, but it will give you a, a little injection of life and motivation, uh, with, w- whereas there is none right now. Right. I, I agree with you um, a little bit on what, what you said. I, I disagree a little bit when you were talking about how ownership uh, can't evaluate or whatever after this Jeff Driscoll game. I, I would pretty much guarantee that Joe Douglas knows that Adam Gase is not going to return next year, unless the Jets go on a massive run in the middle or the end of the season to get to nine wins or something. I'm fairly certain that Adam Gase will not be returning. Um, But I do understand that it is a short week. I understand that they probably wouldn't fire him after a win, but I, I, they might not even wait to the bye. Even if they win, they could just wait a few more weeks and then fire him after the Patriots game or something like that. Um, but I think ownership and Joe Douglas both know that Adam Gase is not going to be the coach in 2021. And that doesn't necessarily right. mean. And, and I mean, I guess fire the bigger offense a... was just hiring him in the first place, really. Right. But yeah, the point I was making is like, I understand why they don't want to just fire him immediately on a short week, uh, especially only three weeks in the season. Although I agree. I, I, we made that point last week where it was like, they shouldn't have hired him in the first place. That's not Joe Douglas's fault. He wasn't here, but I do understand and, like we talked about that he was brought back because it's not fair to Darnold to keep ripping out the rug from under him. You have to give him another year in the same system. They did go six and two to finish, even though it was mostly Greg Williams's defense. Um, so I understand. And they would have, you know, been hurt by the fact that it was a COVID off season with no OTAs, a shortened training camp, no preseason games. So they probably wouldn't have been much better with a different coach. Um, this year, but I agree. And I think Jets ownership knows that Adam Gaze is not the guy. 
The Johnsons have never made an in-season coaching change. I think Adam Gase may be the guy to change it. I expect, like we just talked about, that if they get blown out, I think it's going to be on Friday that he will be gone and we can throw a celebratory podcast on it. But as you said, yeah, I mean, it's not going to change everything for the Jets. They're still a bad team. This roster was not built to win now. Uh, Joe Douglas deserves some fair share of criticism, but it's not like he built this roster intending it for them to win. I think Joe Douglas had a much more realist um, perspective on this roster. He knew where it was and he knew it was going to take a rebuild and they were going to do it the right way. They weren't going to try to make these short term, uh, you know, big free agent contracts to try to immediately make the team better. And then if the player isn't that good, or if like most free agent signings that it doesn't work out, then you're not screwed over by having a bad free agent contract on the books. I mean, he's building it the long way through the draft, made a lot of one year free agent signings. If any of them hit, he'll bring them back. And then he saved a lot of money for this new, this next off season where he's going to have two first round draft picks, two third round draft picks and a ton of cast space for a free agent, free agency pool. that's going to be uber talented because a lot of teams are going to be cutting um, their players to get under the cap. But anyways, uh, the point remains that it's not going to change anything, but I think the two biggest thing it, two biggest things it does is one, it gets them out of the building immediately, which I do think is positive. I do think they will win games uh, without Adam Gase. Uh, so maybe the tank for Trevor uh, dream could be dead if, if he's out of here. Like I know a lot of Jets fans, including you a little bit, Michael, you're coming out a little bit uh, in support of the, the Trevor Lawrence talk. And we'll talk about Darnold and Lawrence in a minute here. Um, but the other point, uh, point when we're talking about Darnold uh, is that you have to be able to evaluate him away from Adam Gase because this is a crucial year. I, the Jets have completely failed Sam Darnold with the talent they surrounded him with, both at weapons and on offensive line, the two different GMs, the, the two different coaches. The, the Adam Gase hire will go down in infamy for the Jets for ruining what should have been the number one pick in the draft in Sam Darnold, who's a super talented kid who, when he got to the NFL, was a better quarterback than Josh Allen. And now look at Josh Allen as a potential MVP candidate. And Sam Darnold, I mean, he looks completely flustered on the sideline. If you watched his post-game press conference, I mean, the kid looks completely rattled. The Jets have virtually ruined him up until this point. Now he could come back with a different head coach uh, next year or go to a different organization um, or the second half of the season and bounce back. But it's up until this point, the Jets have completely ruined Sam Darnold. And, and it's disappointing. But the point remains that it's, it's a big uh, season for, for him. You know, if he's had three seasons where he hasn't proven he's the guy, even if we think that he still will be a good quarterback in this league, whether it's with Pittsburgh or with New Orleans, or even if we gave him longer in New York, if the Jets are picking first overall, they're taking Trevor Lawrence. And they're taking Trevor Lawrence, a generational talent, on a rookie deal and trading Darnold for probably a second-round draft pick rather than taking, you know, maybe Penny Sewell or Jamar Chase or somebody like that or trading down for a King's Ransom. Um, and then hoping that Sam Darnold turns it around, even if I, and I think that Sam Darnold will turn it around his NFL career, but there's still a chance he doesn't. And you don't want to make the mistake. It's a different situation because Darnold is a much better than Hackenberg, but you don't want to make the mistake that you made in 2017 of passing up on a guy like Mahomes or Watson, because you believe in Hackenberg. I believe in Darnold. I believe Darnold will go somewhere else if it's not in New York and be a successful starting quarterback but you still can't take that gamble, especially with him and given where the team is at, that he's going to be going into his fourth year on his fourth contract. You're going to have to make a decision on the fifth year option. If the Jets are the number one pick, they're taking Trevor Lawrence. And Michael, let's talk about that. And, and I don't want to go too into the Trevor Lawrence talk for a few reasons. One, we're week three. Two, I think that Sam Darnold will bounce back. I do think that Sam Darnold will be a good quarterback in this league. Uh, and 
three, I, I don't think the Jets are going to end up with a number one pick, if I'm being honest. I mean, they're the worst team in football right now, but I do think that once the Jets get healthier, that they will pick up a few games. And I think they'll probably most likely be picking three or four or something like that. That's just the Jets' luck. Um, but, Michael, let's talk about it. And, and you've mentioned it a little bit over the summer, how the nightmare scenario for Darnold is him turning into a Jameis Winston or a Marcus Mariota where he's clearly proven he can start in this league, although these two guys aren't starting right now, but he's proven he can start in this league, but he hasn't proven that he is that superstar Mahomes, Watson, Rogers, Wilson type of quarterback. And you're kind of stuck in the middle with the guy who has these, these great flashes of, of great quarterback play. Like you saw in the Indianapolis game yesterday where he made two different guys miss and he threw a dart to Braxton Berrios for the touchdown. But then he has other plays like, both those pick sixes, the pick in the red zone, just inconsistent quarterback play that could really hold it back a good team. If the Jets do build up this roster, just talk about kind of the decision and the importance of this season for Darnold to show something, uh, especially if he can get away from Adam Gase and potentially the decision that Joe Douglas will have this offseason. Well, I think, like you said, if they do land in the number one spot with a chance to draft Trevor Lawrence, then I think it's a no-brainer just because – you know, Lawrence is a generational type of prospect in that Andrew Luck kind of caliber, Peyton Manning. And if you have a chance to get a new head coach and bring that guy in and just start the timelines over, get them on the same page and get the rookie contract, and you could trade Darnold uh, for some assets to help Joe Douglas in his rebuild, there's a lot of reasons to do it. Uh, but it really comes down to the fact that, you know, if the Jets do get the number one pick, Sam Darnold probably didn't play that well. So I guess if you landed at number one and he does show you a lot over the rest of the season, then you could either trade that pick or a huge package for another team that wants to take Lawrence or, I mean, that's probably what you would do instead of taking someone else. But in that scenario, I guess you could do that. But if the Jets are picking num number one, Darnold probably did not have a good season over the next 13 games, at least from this point. Uh, and that would be three straight seasons of below average production from him. And, you know, for the first two seasons, you could hold on to the potential. But uh, at this point, and, and like you said, he's still, he's only 23 years old. He still has plenty of time to carve out a good NFL career, whether it's with the Jets or somewhere else. So it doesn't mean this is the end for him. But if you're the Jets and you land in that spot, it's pretty much a no-brainer to do that. Kind of like the Cardinals with Kyler Murray a couple years out. Yeah, a couple years ago, 2019. So, uh, and also it's, a good it's a good asset for the head coaching uh candidacy uh, candidacy if you go into that offseason uh and a, co a coach knows especially uh, if you're looking for an offensive coach like arthur smith the goat the king the savior that you wrote about um then it, it's a big draw if you could come in and draft him number one and start your start rebuilding the franchise with him so if they do land there i think it's a no-brainer unless Darnold plays extremely well, which is highly unlikely if that scenario does play out. But like you said, getting the number one pick is a hard thing to do. The Jets are the worst team in football right now, but they do have some players coming back. And no matter how bad you are, it's, it's, a hard, it's just hard to get there. You need some, some pretty bad luck to get there. The Dolphins last year could not have built a better number one pick contender, and they still ended up three games back of getting that number one pick. Uh, and, you know, Sam Darnold is a streaky quarterback. He is going to have some good performances this year. Uh, and, and he's better. He's not the worst quarterback in the league. He's good enough to win some games. So I don't think they're going to land there. But exactly. the Jets are going to have an interesting 
uh, situation at the end of the season if Darnold doesn't have a really good finish to the season because, look, the supporting cast hasn't been good so far, but he's still showing a lot of the same weaknesses that he did over his first two seasons, whether it's his feet and his accuracy under pressure, uh, being a one-read quarterback, not scanning the field, uh, the turnovers are become wasn't really an issue to start out of the season, but he's now got four interceptions in three games, which isn't good. Um, and and a big thing we talked about in the offseason was he's got to avoid these games where the turnovers stack up. Uh, and now he had another three interception game here against the Colts. And you look at the interception numbers across the league, most starting quarterbacks didn't even have two interceptions over the first two weeks combined. So these three interception performances – are just very uncommon and you can't have too many of them. So it's, it's been a rocky start. The team has not helped him out well at all, but still with some things that he can control, especially key weaknesses that have been recurring throughout his career so far, a lot of them are still there and that's pretty worrisome. But if the Jets do fire Gase and you can get him, you know, we'll see who takes over the play calling role. Is it Loggins? Does he stay around? Is it Jim Bob Cooter? Uh, We'll see who takes that over, but you get Gase out, you give him another chance to kind of see if he can rejuvenate himself and the offense. Got some reinforcements coming back. Mims, Bell, Crowder, George Fant missed this Colts game. Hopefully Becton comes back. Rashad Perriman. So you got a lot of reinforcements. You could get a spark with Gase. And he has plenty of time to finish the season strong and show some improvement in those key areas. But he does have a lot of stuff to improve upon really quickly in season. Uh, if he's going to legitimately show that he's a no-doubt franchise quarterback. Because this first three-game start is not that kind of – has not been that type of play where it's like, okay, he's no doubt the guy. He still could be, but it's very up in the air. So if you finish high in the draft, even if you can't get Lawrence, you could get a new head coach and he could start things over. Or not just a new head coach, but a runner of the offense, play caller. And he could start over with Trey Lance, uh, whether it's Justin Fields. Uh, that's still an attractive thing for a head coach to do. So uh, if, unless Sam Darnold can really turn it around uh, and have just, especially not just the production, but his key weaknesses, the under pressure, the reading the field, uh, you know, the over aggressive decisions that lead to turnover sometimes, uh, unless he could show some major progress in those areas and turn that around during this season over what we've already seen through three games, then the Jets are going to be going to be in an interesting spot at quarterback, especially with the new head coach coming in who, you know, we already have a general manager here who didn't draft him. And then you'll be adding another coach who hasn't worked with him yet. So even if they don't get Lawrence, I think they could be in that quarterback conversation, but uh, we'll see what happens if they get Gase out. Uh, and then once that happens, I think you could kind of flip the page and see how he can finish out the season with just a new spark, a new vibe, and just a new approach to play calling would probably won't be a different playbook, of course, but just in a, just a philosophy and overall feel, whatever the new play caller brings, how things change once Gase goes, but still plenty of time to evaluate him this season. But obviously, it has not been a good start for him. Yeah, and let's get one thing clear. Sam Darnold is not the big problem with this team. I mean, there's about – five to 10 other problems with this team. It starts with coaching. It starts with the the team that's been assembled. Injuries have not helped. The Jets have completely failed Darnold when it comes to weapons and, and, and the line, like we just talked about, but especially when you look at the other young quarterbacks that were taken around the same time as him, 
what they've done to surround him. The Jets finally got a franchise quarterback and they completely shit the bed with, with building around him. So let's get that out of the way that just because we're floating this out there doesn't mean that either of us think that Darnold has been Darnold's performance up to this point is, has necessarily been entirely his fault. He especially hasn't had an offense built to his strengths. The Jets did run some more RPOs and, and rollouts on Sunday. Um, and you did see some success with them, but not enough. I mean, they did get away from it in the second half. Um, but yeah, I mean, you mentioned Trey Lance and Justin Fields, and I'm still in the boat that if they're in that situation, I think you definitely stick with Darnold, but that could change. And you're right. It does make it more attractive for a head coach to, to pick his own guy. You do have to remember that Joe Douglas didn't draft Sam Darnold. Uh, if he falls in love with a guy like Trey Lance or a guy like Justin Fields and they're picking number three, I could see the Jets still taking a quarterback. Personally, right now, I would take Jamar Chase or Penny Sewell or I'd trade down. But if they keep having performances like this and Darnold had, did not have a good performance on Sunday, despite a few good plays, it wouldn't surprise me. Especially if – and look, I'm number one on the Arthur Smith train. I think I'm – about 99% certain that guy is going to be a great head coach in this league. You can go check out the article I wrote on him. And that's obviously the guy that I want the Jets to hire. But if the Jets don't hire him, if, if they decide not to, or if he goes to Houston or to Atlanta or something to take a arguably more attractive position. Uh, and that kind of goes back to what you were saying. If they have a number one pick that this Jets job becomes a hell of a lot more attractive because they can say, well, I can be the guy who coaches Trevor Lawrence, who a lot of people think is a surefire top quarterback in this league. And then especially the Jets do have some nice pieces. They have a, they have a, a building, a solid offensive line, especially Makai Becton. They have pieces of Quentin Williams, et cetera. But the point I was making is let's say Douglas goes in and hires a guy like Greg Roman. If he wants to go back to his Baltimore roots or something, he takes the, the offensive coordinator for Baltimore. I don't know how I'd feel about that. He's probably number four or four, five on my list uh, just off the top of my head. I don't know if I'd, I'd want to see him. We haven't really seen him outside of Lamar Jackson. He did have a few good years with Colin Kaepernick in San Francisco. But let's say that's the, the move that Douglas makes, goes back to his Baltimore roots uh, and whatnot. That's a guy who clearly would, would probably want to move on from Darnold and go get a guy like Lancer Fields who's a little bit more mobile. Um, so this, this is a big year for Darnold, and he, and he shouldn't get a pass. I mean, as, as we said, I mean, it's not all on him. The Jets have completely failed him. I mean, he's pretty much trying to do it all out there. The play calling has been bad, um, but I mean, he is still struggling to read the field at times. He still is only, you know, he was staring down some receivers bad on Sunday. He's really only looking to one side of the field. Um, you know, the footwork was better on Sunday, but it's still at times uh, he can get happy feet. As Mike, as I was saying to Michael, I mean, he never in the pocket makes it look easy. I mean, he always looks stressed and, and it, part of that's the happy feet, but he's always kind of, you know, uh, a scatterbrained, I guess, in the, in the pocket. I mean, he's kind of uh, always, you know, jittering and, and, and that makes him uh, more effective because that's how he, he got the touchdown to Barrios as he, as he shook two different guys um, to, to break free, but he never makes it look completely smooth and easy in the pocket. And part of that is the scars that the Jets gave him um, last year from having a terrible offensive line. Uh, and then this year uh, the offensive line has been better, but now with Becton out, I mean, he clearly, did bring back some of that where he has happy feet and he, and that timer in his head goes off, especially when you have receivers that can't get separation and a coach that runs a hyper complex offense that is not molded to your strengths. Um, but let's get one thing straight because I, I've seen this narrative from a few beat writers. I've seen it from fans and Sam Darnold playing poorly. It, that's not an excuse for Adam Gase. That, that is actually in, more of an indictment on Adam Gase 
then it is an excuse for him. Adam Gase can't go to Joe Douglas or Christopher Johnson and say, hey, I mean, look, I'm calling good plays. This guy's open, but Sam's just not hitting it. Because when you come in and you're advertised as the QB guru, and, and I don't really know which QB Adam Gase molded, that was always a head scratcher to me, despite the fact that I, I, I've been maybe a little bit more positive in Gase than others. He's not had a quarterback that he's molded. I mean, he took over Peyton Manning, who was already a Hall of Famer. And Jay Cutler was already an NFL veteran. And Ryan Tannehill is doing much better under Arthur Smith. But you can't claim to be a QB guru and your whole job be dependent on Sam Darnold's success and then use that as an excuse to say, well, you know, he's not playing well. I mean, what can I do? I mean, Sam Darnold playing poorly is a direct indictment on Adam Gase. And it can't be an excuse because I've seen it from beat writers trying to pin this on Darnold. And Darnold deserves some blame. But I'm just sick of the excuses for Adam Gase. Um, he didn't really throw Darnold under the bus in the post-game press conference, but he continues to talk about execution. He's right. The players weren't executing, but the coaching has not been much better. Right, and I, I agree with you. And, and really with everything, you just don't want to take sides. Um, some of it's on Darnold not executing plays that are well at, that are called pretty effectively because as bad as Gase is, it doesn't mean every single play he calls in a 60-minute game is bad. And there have been some instances – especially in the Buffalo game, but also some in this Colts game where, you know, Darnold's just missing open receivers, taking sacks when he shouldn't be taking sacks, uh, throwing interceptions he shouldn't be throwing. Uh, and that's, you know, his fault. But like you said, as it, Adam, the main reason he was brought here was, you know, I don't know why this was believed to be a strength of his, like you said, but the, the main reason he was brought here was to develop Sam Darnold. So that can't be used as an excuse at all. And, and many of the same things showed up in this game as the 49ers game. Good first down run game, running again on second down, not calling play action, even though they did come out uh, doing, you know, they did run some bootlegs early in the game, get Sam Darnold on the move. But predictably, they went away from it. And the first the opening drive, once again, for Gase is his best drive by far, again, showing that he doesn't adjust, which was an issue in Miami and still is in the first game, second game, third game, just hasn't changed at all. So there are, there's blame to go on both sides. Darnold isn't developing in areas that don't have much to do with those around him, just things that he should be able to be uh, weaknesses that he should be able to clean up regardless of whose receivers are, whose coaches. So there's some blame on him and there's some worry there, but Adam Gase still deserves plenty of blame. It has to go to both sides. You can't just, right. you know, it's all on him. It's all on this guy. There's, Arnold's part of it, Gase is part of it, every player on offense besides Makai Becton, of course, and pretty much every player on defense. It's everybody right now. Right. And, you know, in the world of, of sports like hot takes um, and, and everybody needs to have an opinion, it's, it's hard to be, try to be nuanced, I guess, in, in this landscape. But that's pretty much what the situation is. I mean, I think you laid it out perfectly that – Look, I mean, Adam Gase hasn't done everything terribly, but he certainly, you know, he mismanaged the clock at the end of the half. He's has a, an undisciplined unit out there. Injuries fall him around everywhere. The play calling gets predictable. I mean, there's a lot of issues with Adam Gase. And then as I just laid out, Sam Darnold struggling falls in Adam Gase as well. That's another, you know, mark against him. But then, yeah, I mean, Darnold has struggled in, in his own right. I, I think that the, th the story with Darnold at this point and, and that first half, is probably the best, you know, I guess this game is a good example of it, probably more negative than positive of the Sam Darnold experience so far, but he hasn't, he's yet to show 
whether he's a franchise quarterback or not. And when you're in year three, regardless of the situation, even if the Jets have literally done, have, have wrote the book on how to ruin a franchise quarterback, it, you still have to judge him. You can't baby him. But, you know, I mean, if he was drafted to Buffalo um, and had an offensive line put in front of him and had receivers, uh, you know, and weapons and a, a, a stable organization and an offense built to his strengths. Is Sam Darnold the one having the MVP season? Because I think he might, you know, and it's just the unfortunate reality of the NFL. Um, and you don't trade Darnold if you have the number one pick because you think he's a bad quarterback. You just take it because that's just the way the NFL works and you can't pass up that opportunity. But like you said, Darnold is so streaky that I don't think they're going to have the number one pick. I think it's, I would still say, Darnold is the likely quarterback, you know, for the Jets next year. I think the Jets will uh, get healthier. I think they will win some games. I don't know against who, but I mean, I could see them stealing a game maybe against LA or probably more likely Miami or, you know, it's about it that I can think of off the top of my head. But um, I still think they, they will pick up a few wins. Darnold, like you said, is streaky. He will have a few good games here. Um, so I don't think they will have to be making that Trevor Lawrence to Sam Donald decision, but through three weeks, I mean, they're easily the worst team in football. There's not even anything close. Uh, I mean, it's just, I don't think they've had, have they even been tied at any point in any of their games yet? Or have they well, just zero, been, zero. It has been zero, oh, zero. Sorry, my bad. But at any point yeah. past zero, zero, have they ever been but at no, least tied? No, not even tied. <laughs> I mean, forget about leading. Haven't even been tied. And and that falls on the head coach. And, Michael, before we we move on and we talk a little bit about this Indianapolis game, and and we'll also talk about Denver's game since it is a short week. Um, I mean, I I guess the the roadmap that we've been talking about is firing Gase on Friday. Let's talk about it a little bit. I mean, what are some of the biggest things that you think could happen from this? What are some of the things you'll be watching if it does happen? Who do you think should step up into that interim role? Um, and what would just be kind of your expectations for a gaseless Jets and, and most likely a Gase and Dallas Jets. And it's part of the reason why I think it's so stupid to have really, you know, when you have Dow be your quarterback and your offensive coordinator, and then Gase is really your offensive coordinator and your head coach. So it's really two guys running four jobs, uh, even though they both share the offensive coordinator job. If you're going to fire Gase and you're going to fire Dow, I mean, you're short-manned on the offensive staff. You're completely wiping out that staff. So there is a scenario where Dow does survive past Gase, but I would hope that the play calling would go to Jim Bob Cooter. But, Michael, let's just kind of talk about the post-Gaseless Jets, what your expectations are, what some of the things they can do, and, and, and what you're hoping to see. Well, what you said is the interesting point because you assume Dow would go because those two guys are kind of attached to each other. Like, I don't even know if they've ever been – in a different room as each other. They, they just go everywhere together, call all their dumb plays. But that would be interesting because, like you said, uh, if you fire both of those guys, you're losing you know, your head coach slash offensive coordinator and your offensive coordinator slash quarterback coach. So that's a pretty big hit. You have two big, three pretty big roles to fill if you do that. So I think that you know the, the best candidate to take over the play calling is obviously – Jim Bob Cooter, who did a pretty good job over a few years in Detroit. So he's easily the best candidate to take that over. But would they let go of Dowell or would they promote him to the play calling duties and maybe put someone like Brant Boyer or even Greg Williams at head coach? That's a possibility. But I think that's the first interesting thing to look at, how they would fill in for Gase. But uh, I think the biggest thing is that 
look, things aren't going to change too much. They can't rewrite the playbook in the middle of the season, come up with an entirely new scheme, but they can change the philosophy and the timing of calls uh, and just the overall approach game planning. and game planning and Play adjusting. Calling. Just every, everything changes in the way that uh, just from a philosophical standpoint and the Wait, ability and I- to adjust in game. So there are a lot of things that change. And I do think that Jim Bob Cooter could, I agree with you that he's not going to be able to change the playbook, but he does have, he will have, if, if this does happen on Friday and look, I don't want to get my hopes up because I already feel the jets winning on Thursday. Um, but I mean, he would have 12 games and a bye week to, to slowly work in some of the things that he, he, he uh, ran in Detroit. He would have some time in practice to run them, maybe running some stuff that they, they ran in college, maybe more of today's, game plan with the RPOs and the rollouts. I mean, they can change the philosophy, even if they can't change the playbook, like you said. I think the big thing is play calling and then like like what we were just talking about, the philosophy of, of rolling them out, running RPOs, and then probably slowly working in some, some uh, Jim Bob Cooter Detroit concepts. Yeah, and I think the biggest hope is it all comes down to Darnold. How is he going to respond to this? Is this something that can help him turn everything around? Because I think a lot of the issues with him are – you know, they come down to just fundamentals, both mentally and fundamentally, his footwork, his decision-making, things like that. So can a switch help him turn that around? Can a change in philosophy, getting him out on the move more, going to some of your play-action bootleg calls a little more often, getting him to, you know, throw the ball in second and short, call some play-action shots instead of running the ball. Let's always get you to third and short and try to move the chains. No, let's take some, uh, take some shots. And things like that, get them into a better, better rhythm, kind of start to work out some of those weaknesses. Uh, and, and can they really just find a way to get the most out of him in the circumstances? And can he respond and do a better job feeling more confident in the pocket and under pressure and with the plays that are being called? Uh, and just calm down, settle down more, and work some of these weaknesses out of his game slowly to the point where at the end of the season, you feel like he's a much progressed quarterback from the point Gase was fired because right now things just aren't looking too good. No matter, I mean, you could sugarcoat it however you want, but two touchdowns and four picks in three games, uh, just, you know, doesn't or three touchdowns and four picks on three games. And, you know, just the production hasn't been there. So um, you hope that with firing Gase, you could slowly gradually get him work some of these weaknesses out of the, out of his game, uh, feel more, be a more comfortable fit uh, in the offense that they choose to run once Gates does go and, you know, by the end of the season have a Sam Darnold that looks much more fully realized and much more capable of being relied upon to be your franchise quarterback. So that's the biggest thing. Can Byron Gates help you fix Sam Darnold? Because I don't think it's just a flip a coin, black and white thing. Gates goes, Darnold is great now. It's not going to be that simple, but it's more so can they find ways to slowly acclimate him into a system that works for him and get some of these weaknesses out of his game to the point where he can be more consistent near the end of the season. We know he can throw the ball. We know he's physically talented. We see it every single week, but can the, can the, a new coaching staff with a new voice at the top, a new play calling uh, approach to everything, can that help him get some of the biggest issues that are holding him back from being consistent on a week to week basis? Can they clean those things up so he can be, solid and efficient every single week and even in games where he doesn't throw the ball too well doesn't have his best stuff still produce at a decent level because they have an offense that he can thrive in so that's the biggest thing can firing gaze help sam darnold 
slow, not instantly. I don't think he's just going to come out and be this the best version of Sam Darnold immediately just because Gase isn't there. But slowly over the course of the season, can he have a couple solid games, maybe a great game, then maybe struggle a little bit, but then put together a good final eight games? Just slow, gradual progress towards right. having a really good finish to the season. I think that's what you hope to get out of Sam Darnold uh, if you do fire Gase after this Denver game. I, I think the other big thing it does is it gives you a head start on the coaching search. It gives ownership and, and management kind of a head start on, on, on to keep an eye on some, some guys like an Arthur Smith or an Eric Bieniemi or a Brian Dable or something like that. Um, and, you know, part of the other reason I, I think we want it is just to get him out of the building. I think it will help us be able to cheer for wins because there's always that nightmare scenario in the back of my head. It's like, well, when did the Jets kind of have what happened last year where they start terribly, but they keep him and then, they pick up, you know, a few ugly wins and it's like, oh, well, the Jets finished five and one down the stretch or something. And that's momentum we can build on in 2021. And, and we bring Gaze back, you know, the sooner that he's just out of the building, I could be like, okay, he's, he's gone. He can't hurt us anymore. Um, and the other thing that then I tweeted this out was that all three of Sam Darnold's touchdowns this year uh, have not been a result of Adam Gase's play calling. He audibled the the screen to to Crowder week one, and then he's had two broken plays back-to-back against San Francisco or Indianapolis. So we've yet to see a play call from Gase result in a direct touchdown. I have um, not thought about it that way. That is just – that is absurd. Yeah, I, and, it's, and it's absurd the amount of uh, – and the other r- ridiculous stat I saw today uh, was that Gase has now had 30 blowout uh, losses in his career, and he only has 30 wins. Uh, and this is also just the third straight game where they've been down at double digits at half. So even if everything isn't on Gase because the defense has been bad, the injuries, Darnold has been underwhelming, etc., it still falls on, on, on Adam Gase and his head should roll because of it. Because like you said, it made sense why they brought him back, not necessarily because he deserved it based, based off the season that they had, but more so just the situation they were in with their young quarterback and I guess the finish that they had. But more so the situation with the young quarterback, they gave him – the beginning of this season, but I think, and the hope was, is that he was going to be on a short leash because like you said, it was pretty clear before he was hired here. And then once he was hired that he was not going to win a Super Bowl for the jets. I mean, it, it's been pretty clear. Um, I would say since week one against Buffalo, <laughs> um, and especially that Owen four start and more so than that, than the, the three games they lost to, to new England, Jacksonville, Miami uh, last year, it's just been very clear that Adam Gase is not the guy to lead the jets. Uh, and, and the reason he's still here is just to not rip the, the, the floor out from under Sam Darnold. But regardless, Michael, um, and plenty more discussion of this to come, because if he doesn't go on, th- on Friday um, and he's back for, for a few more weeks or potentially the whole season, this is going to be the discussion every week is, is how he's holding the Jets back, how he's holding Sam Darnold back, why he should be fired. It is important to, remind, to remember that the Johnsons have never fired a coach midseason. Gase and Douglas are friends. There is the injury excuse. Darnold has been underwhelming. Uh, the defense has been bad. So there is, there is, I don't want to get anybody's hopes up because there is still a chance that he survives past week four. He could survive the whole season. I don't see that happening, especially with just how poorly they've been playing. But um, my hope is that it happens Friday, just so we can have the situation where he's gone. They promote Jim Bob Cooter. And like you said, it's not going to fix everything, but I at least feel like I could cheer for wins again. I'm going to at least can feel like I can go back to cheering for, for Darnold to ball out um, because I don't want Trevor Lawrence. I mean, if they're at number one, I'll take him, uh, you know, happily, I guess. But the best scenario for the Jets is that Darnold balls out the last 12 games of the season um, and just proves that he's just was 
uh, another Adam Gase casualty. But like you said, it probably wouldn't happen immediately. Um, but anyways, just something to keep in mind on Thursday. Uh, and we'll, we'll talk about the game in just a few minutes um, about what we're expecting, I guess what we're hoping for. Um, but let's just take a look back on Sunday a little bit, Michael. Um, not much to talk about, if we're being honest. I mean, I was trying to think of a single positive from that game. And outside of Makai Becton, while he was healthy, uh, there's not a single one. And Makai Becton got hurt, so that's a negative. Uh, and we're hoping that injury isn't too bad. Um, there'd be a real, real bummer if, if Makai Becton's out for a significant period of time. But by the time you're listening to this, hopefully there's a, a good injury update on him. Knowing the Jets like it, it'll be terrible. Um, but, Michael, what are your thoughts on, on Sunday? Um, any positives that, that you, could, you could find? And once you say no to that, what are the negatives? What are the biggest negatives? Um, just kind of your overall thoughts on, on the Jets' performance against the Colts. No positives. Uh, on to the negatives. <laughs> no, but really, I mean, this is – usually there's something you can point to. Like like last week there were – there was Quinn Williams, Becton. I thought Jordan Jenkins, John Frank, John Franklin Myers played good. But this game, there's really nothing. I mean, I guess Braxton Berrios, four catches, four targets, 64 yards, the touchdown. Franklin Myers did make a couple of plays. Bryce Huff played in this game. And he did get a pass deflection, and he had uh, – well, I think this is a play he got credit for the deflection on. But uh, he had that rush where he made some contact on Rivers, forced an incompletion. So, friend of the podcast, he debuted and at least showed one flash that I noticed. So, I mean, I guess that's it. And I think the offensive line, I can't – without watching the film, it's hard to know who played well, who didn't. But they did seem pretty solid for the most part. It seemed like Becton was – playing another good game when he was in there. Uh, so we'd have to look back on it to see more about who's playing well. But, I mean, they continue to have a pretty good early down run game. And the blitz pickups, for the most part, pretty solid. A few exceptions. There were some unblocked ones. But, I mean, all we wanted from this offensive line was for them to be okay, not terrible this year. And they've definitely been that. So I do think that's a positive. And it's also a little worrisome because you can't really use it as an excuse for Darnold or Gase as much as you could the, uh, last year or in 2018 in Darnold's case. So I do think the offensive line is good. But, um, I mean, overall, especially the defensive side right now, there's very little to like about the defense. Just front to back, mo- pretty much everyone is struggling. I don't think the missed tackles were as bad in this game as the first two, but the coverage at every position is just not good. Uh, both in terms of miscommunications and just, you know, pure man-to-man coverage and zone. Uh, in, in both facets, they're struggling. And the pass rush, we, the Jets had one quarterback hit in this game. One quarterback hit, Colts threw 25 passes uh, and obviously zero sacks. So the pass rush is weak too. Uh, the run defense, I guess, you could still hang your hat on that. I mean, the Colts had 119 yards, but uh, and their but their yards per carry was above four. So even that's uh, if you take out the kneel downs, it was above four. So uh, I guess can't really look at the run defense anymore either. So it's really bad right now. There's anything that is a positive is not to take away from the players who you are crediting because guys like Barrios, Huff, Franklin Myers, some of the O linemen did play well. Not to take away from them, but all the positives are so small that they barely even make the impact on the entirety of the game. Yeah. Uh, 
I think Franklin Myers for me would be the biggest positive, but again, I mean, we were talking about, and look for defensive linemen, especially interior defensive linemen, you can't always expect to have, a, you know, those monster games like Quinnen had last week. But again, it was, uh, I didn't see Quinnen at all. I mean, we'll still have to go back and watch the, the coach's film to see if he had any, you know, hidden pressures or, or, or plays in the run game, but a quiet game from Quinnen. It seems like May has cooled off since his uh, his first game, although he did have a, a nice stuff. I think it was on third down. McDougald got shook for the for a touchdown in the game. It was just, yeah, I mean, there were some a few good things. I thought they had that nice drive. Me and you called it. I mean, I said in the preview podcast that I actually thought the Jets were going to have a nice long touchdown on the opening drive uh, and then shit the bed the rest of the game. That's pretty much what happened. I mean, outside of the pick six, it was the second drive. They drove all the way down the field. It looked pretty. And in classic Gase fashion, nothing else. I mean, literally the last points of the game. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the, there were some positives. Darnold had some good plays, but probably more bad plays. The receivers were pretty bad. Kajer on that first interception – you know, I know he was getting a lot of love from Jets Twitter. Um, he, I think he did make a few nice plays towards the end of the game, but on that interception was completely late getting off the ball. Didn't come back to the ball either, um, which led to the pick six. Uh, he was open on the second interception for a touchdown. That interception, it's still bad play on Darnold. It's not as bad as I thought it would be because he technically didn't read the coverage right, but he, he really did because Xavier Rhodes thought it was zone and started playing the flat, but then he realized he was actually in man. So Cager was wide open, but once he realized he was in man, he darted back and, and jumped the route. But if you look at when Sam Darnold throws this ball, Cager is open. It's just kind of an unfortunate play, but still a bad play because Herndon does get open at the top of the, the, the screen, and it's yet another example of Darnold just only reading one side of the field. Um, and then the third interception, it looks like he expected a post route or something, but still just a bad play and a, and a pick six. Um, so, yeah, I mean, in my mind, the positives, like you mentioned, I mean, I, I think John, John Franklin Myers is probably the only one that, that immediately comes to mind for me. Um, but looking ahead to Thursday, Michael, this is a Broncos team that, and this is a, this is a game that I marked as a loss because initially, I mean, I, I bought into the Broncos hype. They have a ton of weapons on the outside between Hamler and Judy and Sutton. And Drew Locke was at quarterback, and they had Von Miller and Bradley Chubb, and, and injuries have completely depleted that team. They're on three like the Jets are, but the Jets are still a, a worse team. I think every player, especially after that, that Chris Mortensen report came out, and look, if, if this was any other report, and Chris Mortensen isn't the end-all, be-all. He's not Adam Schefter, Ian Rappaport, but he has been a, a, a voice in the game for a long time, so I do trust his report that somebody in the Jets organization did tell him that. Um, if this was just some random beat reporter, I would be a little bit more skeptical, but I do think there is some, some weight to that report. And I think the players know about it. I mean, they were both at, they were asked about it in the press conference. So I think they know that they're, they're playing for Gase's job. Certainly a few of them came out in support of Gase. Greg Van Roten was very vocal, Sam Darnold, Connor McGovern talking about how they just need to execute. So Thursday's their chance to fight for the head coach, because if they just get blown out four straight times, like they've been playing, I mean, it's, it's good night for Adam Gase. Michael, what are you looking for on Thursday? Um, I, I guess we're probably cheering for another loss again, which is, it's hard because it's, uh, you know, the Jets used to bring me so much joy on Sundays. I'm not really sure when, I guess 2010 and maybe 2015 for a little bit there, but it's just hard taking something that you, you used to enjoy so much and just having to sit there, you know, just suffering <laughs> and yawning during the game like you were and, and just watching yep, um, I was. <laughs> this, this team just, just play terribly. Um, but I guess that's kind of what we're cheering for on Thursday. What are you looking out for? 
when it comes to that, when it comes to how the players fight for days, and then maybe some key matchups. I mean, we don't necessarily know the, the status about Makai Becton um, and some other players, but what are you looking for on Thursday? Well, I mean, I think from a fan perspective, it's hard not – we've gotten this far. I think it's hard not to, you know, think – to hope for a loss. And when, when I think the Jets should lose games, I don't sit there and really root for them to lose the game. But, you know, sitting – like looking at it objectively right now, um, obviously Adam Gase is the number one problem in the organization, not the only one, but clearly the biggest one. So – um, for him to get out, it seems like losing this game could be the final nail in the coffin. So it's hard not to look for that. But in terms of matchups, like you said, Denver was a team that had a lot of promise coming into the season, but lost Von Miller, lost their starting quarterback, Drew Locke, where they're hoping to have a big second season. So injuries have really taken away for them what could have been a promising season. But they were pretty competitive the first two games, played Tennessee and Pittsburgh, two undefeated teams, played them very closely. They were blown out by the Bucs here in week three, but they played two really good teams very well. The Jets haven't done anything well at all through three games. So they're still a better team than the Jets, I think. Even though they have a lot of injuries, Jets are playing at home, which even though the fans aren't there, home field has still been an advantage this season. And that's uh, a travel. Of the win percentage. And, yeah, the travel, too. Uh, is pretty big. So even though the Jets have that going for them, the Broncos have played better football than them this season. So I think they're still a better team. But this is a game that it feels like the Jets it, – it's hard to say it feels like the Jets will win when they haven't been leading for one second 26-21, Michael. 26-21. Exactly. 26-21, to 21. exactly. Um, I don't know what that means. I still don't know. But it's pretty much an iconic pull your Jets meme now. But uh, I, it feels meme? like the – yeah. I think so, but I do think it feels like that the Broncos are going to lose this game to the Jets. That's just kind of the gut feeling, but look, I think the Broncos are better than them, So, and the Jets have no right to be considered the favorite in a game. They're probably going to be underdogs in this game at home to an 0-3 team. That would probably oh, be my be. guess. Well, but, you, uh, I mean, you talked yeah, about ahead, it. Dem- Denver's played three straight really good football teams, and I think that kind of what you were just saying is that this game is either going to go one or two ways. Either they're going to come out playing for their head coach. Sam Darnold's going to ball out. They're going to come out knowing that they've been embarrassed for three straight games. They're at home. They're wearing the black unis. They're playing another winless team. That's, you know, injury plagued. And they're going to come out and win this game, which is, I have it's a feeling they're wearing the black unis because it's Gase's that <laughs> There it is. That, I, that was, I could see that joke a mile away. <laughs> um, but I mean, that's one scenario. And I that's said it kind first, of, so everyone who tweets that, I, I already have that one. Okay. <laughs> it's like the Arthur Smith article. Um, but, yeah, that's, that's one scenario, and, and I feel like that might happen just because we don't want it to. But the other scenario is, look, there are four days ago they played one of the worst games, you know, of anybody all year. They looked completely deflated. You talked about it. I mean, there's just – just little thing. There's no hustle from anybody running from the sideline to the huddle, the body language on the sideline. Nobody's talking. You, you mentioned to me b- before the show, I mean, has Gase ever once like yelled at a ref or anything? There's just no energy. No. I mean, as Gase said last week, there's no juice. There's just nothing. So I feel like 
I, I mean, I want that to happen. And like you said, I mean, the jet, it's been hard to get a finger on, on the Jets pulse because me and you kind of thought they might bounce back week two. We looked like idiots afterwards. So even though I think me and you kind of both feel similarly that they, that they will come out on Thursday night football and win it for Gase, unfortunately, and, and keep them around for a few more weeks. Um, there is the scenario where they really are just as bad as we think they are. And even if they win, they probably still are. That, that could just be a, you know, a fluke. But just given the performance that we've seen back to back to back, there's really no reason to expect anything differently up until this point. I, I still, in the back of my mind, think that the Jets, unfortunately, might pull this one out. But up until this point, I mean, it's just been ugly performance after ugly performance after ugly performance, seemingly just topping themselves every week. I mean, in some ways they're getting closer, but in other ways, I mean, the score differential is just getting wider. So, um, but I, I'm sorry, I cut you off a little bit earlier, but I, I know you I don't really see the ways they're getting closer though. Well, I meant in the sense that the first game, the first game, it didn't feel like they were moving the ball at all. Um, and then the second game, they started to move it a little bit, the, the beginning and, and, they couldn't get it done, and then they didn't get touchdown until the end. And in this game, they moved the ball. They, they scored a touchdown. They, I, did they tie it up at 7-7? Seven, seven? Oh, they were tied. So well, we they were wrong for Yeah, my wrong for Yeah, my apologies. Just shut down the podcast now. It was 7-7. Seven, seven. So they were they, – so there was progress in that sense, and that's what Gay said. But in the vast – you know, in every other sense of the word, there was, you know, regression in the sense of the score differentials wider. Donald turned it over three times. It just seems like there's progress, and I guess in the way that the offense is moving, I think feel like they're tackling a little bit better. They did run some RPOs and roll out, but they're getting worse results. So it's kind of a weird um, situation. Is is kind of what I meant by that. Well, I guess that by the end of the season, maybe they could you know have everything going, and maybe week 17 they'll win their first game. But actually, I was thinking before that what probably will happen is the Jets will be in position get the number one pick and then Bill Belichick comes in and he decides that he doesn't want Trevor Lawrence in his division and he throws the week 17 game uh, just to sabotage the Jets again. Michael, don't you put that evil on me. <laughs> if the Jets are in that situation and, and I mean, I, I don't, I will say that New England is, if you want to see a good, I mean, obviously everybody knows Bill Belichick's a good coach and a Patriots are a great organization, but just look at how they're playing because people were counting them out and saying they were going to be trash this year and that, and they had all those players opt out and you can't really replicate new England because anytime you have, and I think it, it goes the same for, for Lombardi or any of those other hall of fame coaches. And, and when you're a player that's playing for one of those hall of fame coaches, just the, the expectation is just higher. Everybody rises to the occasion. There's nobody who's late to a meeting. It's hard to instill that when you're Joe judge in New York, but when you're Bill Belichick, you just watch him and just how respected he is. And everybody in that locker room knows who he is. And they, they want to play well for him. And they, they know he's an absolute legend. I mean, that's why they, they're win they have a winning culture. That's what, it, that's what it is. And the Jets have Adam Gase. And that's just a complete losing culture because guys feel like, oh, well, if I fumble this ball, I'm not going to be taken out of the game. And, uh, you know, they, they, they feel maybe more loose and willing to try things that, that, you know, it just feels like under New England that the guys just do their job. They're just very focused, very detail-oriented, and it doesn't really matter that Tom Brady's not there. I mean, they look fantastic this year with, with Cam Newton. So I'm hoping, Michael, that the, the Patriots are still fighting the Bills for the division, and so they have to play Cam Newton and they can beat the Jets. But if that scenario were to arise, I'm still cheering for the Brant Boyer, Sam Darnold, Jim Bob Cooter um, takeover for the last 12 games. Yeah, and I do to talk more about Darnold uh, and his development over these next 
13 games. I think the biggest thing with the Jets this season is you want a definitive answer. You don't want to be stuck in the – you mentioned it earlier, but the Mariota or Winston kind of trap where it's like, okay, he's not bad enough to where we're going to move on from him yet, but he's also not good enough to make the playoffs or compete yet. We're kind of just hanging on to the hope and the potential. It's not really a good place to be in. So I think it would be best for the Jets if either Darnold plays really well and proves, okay, we can believe in him. We can build around him. Let's use whatever draft capital we get to build around him instead of finding someone else to build around either get that or, you know, get a more definitive answer where it's like, okay, we have the number one pick. We're going to go with Lawrence or we have a top five pick. We're going to get a new head coach. that's going to build around someone else. And Darnold has shown that he's clearly not the answer. And it's a depressing thing to, it's depressing to think about it like that, but it's the jets are really getting into this dangerous ground with him where they could be getting into that Winston Mariota sort of trap where, I mean, this is already going to be the third straight season. They missed the playoffs with him and it's not even close to all his fault, not even close, but still it's three seasons now in which he hasn't been very productive. And if, you know, it's, he's already had three seasons and you look at all the quarterbacks in the past who have gone three consecutive seasons to start their career below the league average in most metrics, pretty much all of them, with very few exceptions have gone on to be good. I think the best example is Alex Smith, and it took him quite a few years to get to that point and a major injury in the middle of that. Um, so it's it's not promising if he has another season that's disappointing, even though there are a lot of legitimate excuses for him. Um, and the biggest thing is not necessarily what his production is, but what the main weaknesses we talked about, what you see from him on film with uh, under pressure, just reading the field, fundamental and mental things that he should have improved by now, regardless of his supporting cast. So I think that's really the biggest thing is, can you get a very clear answer coming out of the season? Is Darnold your guy or is he not? Because, you know, if you're going to another season and he's still in that middle ground, it's, it's just dangerous territory where you could keep having these seasons where you're holding on to hope, but he never really fulfills it. And ultimately you spend half a decade waiting for him to break out and it never really happens. So I hopefully you ideally he plays really well. You fire Gase, he explodes. Um, whoever takes over does a much better job of building around him. And he shows you that he's your franchise quarterback and you could supplement him right. with the many picks they have next year. Hopefully that happens. But right. if it doesn't, I'm just in the camp where it would be better to just get that number one pick, Trevor Lawrence, move on. Uh, and it, it would be better to do that then kind of be stuck in the middle again and just continue to hope like, okay, we think he could be good, but he was also very unproductive for a third straight season and still has the same rookie kind of uh, weaknesses for the third straight season. I think it would, would be better to get Lawrence to be dealing with that. So I think it would be the best case scenario for the Jets would be one of those two things. Get that number one pick slash no Darnold isn't your quarterback. However, that happens or know that he for sure is your quarterback. So that's really how I look at it. And it's depressing kind of to look at that negative viewpoint, but you know, the Jets are going to have a new head coach next season, 99.9%. And, you know, it would be good to get him on the same timeline as his quarterback, because if you have a new head coach, then you have Darnold, 
if you get a new head coach and you keep Darnold, Darnold would be going to his fourth year. Douglas would be going to his technically second season with the team. And you'd have a new head coach on his first season with just these timelines all over the place. And then if Darnold doesn't work out, then you have the coach with a new quarterback who's in his first year and the coach is in his second year. So to sync everything up would also be a very helpful thing if Darnold isn't, you know, legitimately proven to be that franchise guy. So for me, I would really like to see a definitive answer either way. Is Darnold going to break out and be like, he's no doubt the guy, or are they going to finish the season knowing, all right, we have to go in a different direction. So that's really how I see it. Yeah, and that, that's exactly how I feel. And I'm obviously, I'm a big Sam Darnold fan, and I'm cheering for right. the the version where he really balls out and, and you know, maybe the Jets end up picking six or whatever. And it's like, well, okay, Darnold is clearly the not the problem with this team. Um, and then they can supplement him with Jamar Chase or somebody like that. Um, but the Indianapolis game really did give off some major Jameis Winston vibes. And that's not the vibe that I've gotten from him the majority of his career. I think he's a better player than Jameis. But you look at the play – um, and it, it ended up being an incompletion, but it was after the pick six. And it was part of the reason that the people gave Darnold the, the mental toughness um, label coming out of college. And, and it's true, but he still at times seems rattled. But after the pick six, it was the following drive. It was actually a touchdown drive. I, don't, I think it was second down or whatever, but they, they ran a rollout and he threw it to Ryan Griffin in triple coverage. And it was an absolute dime. I mean, it, but it fell incomplete, but it was – just a crazy, why would you even attempt that throw? That probably should have been another interception. And he has a lot of those throws where he completely just trusts his arm. And Jameis has the same thing where they have this blinding faith in their arm and it's going to lead to some amazing throws, uh, right. you know, like the throw to, to Robbie in Oakland or the one to Barrios or whatever. But then it's going to lead to the interception in Buffalo week one or that which could have been intercepted. I mean, he just has this crazy confidence. Now, look, if you go watch that, it's a, it's a beautiful throw and it hits Griffin virtually in the numbers, I think Leonard gets a hand in there and knocks it away, but he just has that kind of Jameis quality where it's like Winston did throw 30 touchdowns last year, but he also threw 30 interceptions. And I don't think Donald's interception peak is going to be that high. That's why I think he is better than Jameis and will, if he goes to the right system, be actually a solid quarterback in this league. I think he will be, I think he is a 30 touchdown quarterback in this league. Um, but major Jameis Winston vibes, uh, uh, on Sunday. Yeah, it, bad it just, habits. You'll, you'll make those throws sometimes because he's that gifted. Jameis Winston is that physically gifted. But overall, over the course of the season, you don't want to do that too much because for every 15, 20 yard completion you get, you're also going to throw in a, in a pick or two, like the one we saw in the Buffalo game. And a couple, although these weren't really quite the gunslinger type, the first one sort of was. Um, but really, just they're throws you don't want to try because sometimes you'll complete it and it will look really good because you're so talented you can make them, but you're also sometimes just not going to complete them because they're very hard throws to try. So the quarterbacks like that, for them to become great, like an Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers throws the ball away a lot. He's usually near the top of the league and throwing the ball away. And that's really the key. You have to know when to take your shots, when to let that arm talent shine in a way to where, either your guy's getting the ball or it's going to be incomplete. And it's not just turnovers. It's about consistency, reading the field, picking up first downs, finding easy completions for yourself, not always looking for the toughest one. So Darnold can make any throw that, you know, that applies to him as much as it does to anybody, but it's just the decision-making and the types of throws that he's trying. That is one of the biggest things for him to improve 
over the course of the season, checking the ball down quicker, which is something he said in the post game after this one. But he's also said that after a lot of games through right. three years now. So it's still something that he needs to improve. Yeah, he at, just, he's still, he still seems lost. He still seems to be making rookie mistakes. And as I said last week, if this was a game, I mean, this would be a bad game as rookie year as well. But if these are the games that he's having as a rookie, they're a lot more promising because you see the flashes, you see the good plays, and you're like, okay, well, you know, as a rookie, you want to see those, those peaks because you, you're confident that through your, you know, uh, your coaching and, and your building around it that you can – and the more experience that he gets, that you can iron out the negatives. But with Darnold, the negatives have seemingly gotten more frequent, and he's still having these games where he feels like a rookie. He's 23 years old, and he's playing like a 23-year-old rookie, which I guess isn't bad. I mean, Ryan Tannehill entered the league at 24, and, and he's finally hit success at 31. So like you said, he has a lot of time to, to turn it around. He's still young enough. Um, he's still young enough to be a draft pick in, in this year, uh, in this year's draft. But yeah, I mean, it's little, th- you know, staring down receivers. He doesn't look comfortable in the pocket. You know, reading the field, predetermining where he's going to go with the ball. Just, just stuff like that is, is concerning. Right. And, and yeah, it's, it's not the production. He's not really – Although you would like to see better production, it's going to be hard to do that when Kalen Balazs is your second leading receiver in a game. But there are things that you can look at regardless of what his you know, final numbers are. And it's stuff like, you know, just only making one read before, you know, deciding to throw the ball, to check the ball down. Um, just a lot of things like that, that doesn't really, okay, he's not going to put up numbers because he just doesn't have that type of talent or the coach to do so. But there are still things that, regardless, you can look at and see if he's improving. And a lot of them he hasn't really improved yet. So that's really the biggest thing over these next three months is can he improve those things? Like, he, it would be great if he put up the production to back up his improvement. But as long as you're looking at him being like, okay, he's moving through his reads quicker. He looks more comfortable under pressure. Um, he's getting to the check down quicker when the deep concepts aren't really – playing out well, and you know that's not going to be there, hit the check down, dump that ball off, give him the best chance to make a play. He's not throwing these hot air balloons that he shouldn't be throwing. He's willing to throw the ball away. Uh, His feet, just overall, I talked about pressure, but just overall smoother, more confident, calmer. Um, Things like that are what you really have to look at, regardless of the numbers. And it's going to be tough to improve all that stuff in season, but who knows, maybe put a different voice there a play caller who gives him a different diet of throws, more rollouts. More <laughs> Arthur <much>. Smith. <clears throat> oh, yeah. Yep, that's the guy. That is the guy right there. Um, yeah, everyone fix- everyone should read Ben's article if they haven't read it yet. It's already yeah. taking over the state of Tennessee. Everyone in Tennessee is just like, oh, I got a root for the Jets now. We don't want them to take Arthur Smith from our team. King Arthur, he's the guy. So check Bend that the article knee. out. Bend but, the knee. Yeah, absolutely. Bend the knee for King Arthur. We're but, starting you know, – hashtag bend the knee, hashtag King Arthur to MYJ. I don't know. We kind of got to work on that hashtag I know. game. But we're going to be tweeting about it a lot over the what? next few months. So it will develop to something that catches on. I'm, I'm looking at this hashtag and, like, no one else is posting it. So we got to work I, on I saw it. One, one person gave me another King Arthur to MYJ. We're just – I'm going to keep tweeting like this the entire season. We're going to – Michael, we are going to will Arthur Smith to the Jets um, – but yeah, as Michael said, uh, I, we worked. Uh, I guess I worked pretty hard on this article, and, and I think that Arthur Smith and Michael did help me with, with some edits. You, you could see some Michael's uh, numbers that that he threw in there. So it was a CYJ team effort on that article. But I think uh, I think I laid out pretty well why I think he'd be a perfect match for Joe Douglas and this Jets team. Um, 
But yeah, lastly, just last few things before, before we get out of here, um, just continuing on the Darnold stuff and then, and then we'll get out just because this popped up in my head and then, then we, we got away from it. Um, but I, I, yeah, I think that there's, well, there's two routes with, with Darnold. And this was the, the route that I said before the season, which was I think he deserves a year after Gase, um, which I still hold to be true. But again, if they have that number one pick, I would pick Trevor Lawrence, especially with the whole contract situation and head coach and blah, blah, blah. We've gone over that. Um, but the, the alternative situation is that you trade him. And if Josh Rosen could get a second and a five and Rosen didn't really play. I mean, he played pretty poorly for the Cardinals. I think he played like 10 games or something off the top of my head and he didn't really play well. What could Darnold get? Because like you said, if they have the number one pick, he probably didn't play too good. But if he has games like he had this game, probably – hopefully more so the San Francisco game where he has flashes, but it's clear that he's just being held back by just instability all around him. What do you think Sam Darnold could fetch in a trade? Because there are a lot of teams that I think would want Sam Darnold on their team. When you look at Pittsburgh, when you look at New Orleans, San Francisco, Chicago, there's a lot Minnesota. There's a lot of teams. If you look, that would say, hell yeah, we'll take the guy who's only 23 will be 24 next season who should have been the number one pick in the draft and is, playing for the worst coach in the NFL with the worst team and the worst weapons and a bad off. Well, I don't want to say a bad offensive line, but right now an injured and bad offensive line. Yeah. We'll take Sam Darnold. There's a lot of teams that would do that. So I would say the expected price for me would be a second round pick. I think that's fair compensation for him, but, but Michael, do you think that the jets could entice some teams to get in a bidding war for him, especially teams that have those, those older quarterbacks, the Colts are another team that just witnessed him today. Um, that have those older quarterbacks and say, hell yeah, we'll take this prospect. We think we can fix Adam Gase's mess. Do you think that the Jets could kind of drive that price up um, to to a first-round pick? Well, it is interesting to compare him to Rosen because, like you said, Rosen, a two and a five uh, when he's traded by Arizona to Miami. But I think the difference is that since Rosen was still a rookie, I think there was more untapped potential there even though Rosen as a rookie was and right the contract you still had left as well um but even Rosen was really bad as a rookie Darnold has never looked as bad as Rosen did so there that does favor Darnold but it was also his first season now you have three years of Darnold so the contract you don't have much of that left eventually he's gonna have to get paid if you do want to keep him or you have to let him hit the open market and just in terms of the potential you know a rookie quarterback you expect to be bad uh, there could, you know, you expect there to be a lot of untapped potential left, but now Darnold is going to hit the trademark. If they do look to trade him after the season, it would be with three seasons of tape on there. And, you know, it obviously wouldn't be too impressive tape if the Jets are looking to trade him. So uh, I think that's probably right around where he would be, probably that second round pick range. I don't think he would get a massive package. I, I mean, it's possible, it depends on how many teams are interested how the quarterback uh, the class plays out in the draft because still a lot can change between now uh, and once the draft arrives we know plenty of things can happen both with the combine off the field stuff however many games are left between the guys that are playing the season does someone else rise on the board fall there are a lot of things that can change in the quarterback market so that could change the demand or, uh, you know, a professional prospect like Darnold for a team like the Colts or the Steelers looking for a potential future franchise quarterback. So I think he can get something good. Will he get a first rounder, maybe something more? I'm not sure. It would probably take a few teams being interested, but a second round pick is probably
probably what I would think right now. But if he did play well, he could drive the price up. But if he plays well, they're probably not going to want to trade him. And you would probably want to build around that guy. So if they get to that point where they're looking to trade him because they have the number one pick, probably second rounders what I would expect. Week three, ladies and gentlemen. Week three. Week I mean, three. Week this, three. This is the week. That, uh, if you had asked me four weeks ago if this is the conversation we'd be having after week three, I mean, I, I, I mean, I guess I would have been pretty depressed and, and honestly surprised. This is the second year in a row <laughs> that uh, the Jets have broken my spirit after one game, both games against Buffalo. Well, I mean, at least last season after the Cowboys game, we had new life. But it looks like this season could be after that fourth game also. Yeah, it looks like yeah, it looks like back. <laughs> the new life after Gase is gone. Um, but, yeah, on the Darnold stuff, I, I still think he's going to be back next year. As I said, I don't think they're going to wind up th- with that number one pick. You pretty much have to have ins- – not insane, but good luck um, getting it because there are a lot of bad teams um, in the league. And, and I think the most likely thing is that you give them a year with a, with a new head coach, and if it doesn't work out, you use the two first-round picks that you have in 2022, I guess that is, um, to trade up and get a QB then. Um, but – I mean, look. Yeah, I, I do think the most likely thing is he'll be back. What most likely plays out is he doesn't have an insane breakout, but he's not extremely bad. Just more of the same, I think, flashes and low points, which is scary. This is what I was talking about earlier that you want to avoid. It's not a great situation to be in to have three years of your franchise quarterback being in that kind of uh, that area where he can start, but he's also a lower end starter. So it's a scary place to be in, but he is only 23 years old. He's younger than much younger than a lot of franchise quarterbacks were when they started their first games like Ryan Tannehill, who was 24 as a rookie. So he does have that time. So you got to hope that with a new head coach again, um, that hopefully whoever they bring in is the right guy to clean up some of his mechanical fundamental things. But I think most likely Darnold will be quarterback next season. They'll probably win three or four games, pick somewhere in the three to six range. Um, and he'll be back as quarterback again. And that's a not concern. It's a little bit of a worrisome thing if he doesn't have that breakout finish the season. But at only 23 years old, 24 next season, you can hope that with hopefully you get the right guy. Hopefully Arthur. his last name is Smith and his first name is Arthur. He's the, guy to he's, fix the, Darnold. he's the guy to get the most out of him, to save him from Gase. Yeah, Darnold or not. Arthur Smith is the perfect guy for that. Darnold or not, Arthur Smith is the first perfect guy for, for, this, for this job. But especially when you look at what he did for Ryan Tannehill, he can clearly fix Darnold, and I think he'd be a great fit in that offense. But I can't get um, too excited about it because I, I know that because he's such an obviously great fit and I'm very certain that he's going to be a good coach, that the Jets are going to wind up hiring Urban Meyer or Jim Harbaugh or something. Um, but, yeah, to your point, I mean, Baker Mayfield's going to be 26 next season, and, and Darnold, um, he's still younger than him. So he has, he has a lot of time. Um, but as, as we just said, week three, and the, these are the discussions that we're having. Week three, we're not talking about – so how can the Jets contain the Broncos' edge rush? So how yeah, are they no, going to get don't care. We're cheer for the Jets, Jets Driscoll? Blown out. Talking I mean, about who's the quarterback going to be in 2022? Right, exactly. And we're, we're wearing black unis for a funeral instead of <laughs> swag. Um, you can follow us at CYJPod on Twitter. You can follow Michael at Michael underscore Nania. Myself at Ben W. Blessing. And you can find us at iTunes, Spotify, Jets X Factor. Go check it out. Best place to go for Jets content. Check out the Arthur Smith article. Let us know who, what your thoughts are on, on Gase being fired, th- this game against Thursday, what you're rooting for, who you think the best uh, 
head coach would be for the Jets. It, you know, Arthur Smith's the only correct answer. Um, and, uh, you know, your thoughts on the whole Sam Darnold QB situation and, and the decision that Joe Douglas could be facing this offseason. Um, but that'll do it for us. Uh, yet another depressing episode of the Cool Your Jets podcast. But hopefully the next time we uh, are, are airing a podcast, it will be the Adam Gase fired celebratory podcast uh, on Friday. But I have a feeling that the Jets are going to win this game and he's going to survive. But we will see. Um, and that'll do it for us. Um, hashtag King Arthur to I was, NYJ. I was, I, was thinking the, I was thinking the hashtag too while you're in my mind. I guess it's hashtag King Arthur to, to NYJ. Hashtag bend the knee as well. For now, that's it. But if you okay. have a better idea, yeah. just go ahead. And yeah, I, that's true. If you have a better hashtag for, for me, um, make sure to, to tweet us with that. But that'll do it for us. Everybody stay safe, stay healthy. And as I said last week, don't let the Jets ruin your life. Ronald takes the snap. Looks left under pressure. Oh, it's one over the middle. Yes.